Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Junkyard Dogcast. Something of a breaking news edition, even though this is about the time we were planning to talk. I'm Jordan Hill. Got Kip Adams with me today. Rusty Mansell, a little bit under the weather. We're hoping Rusty's feeling better. A lot to talk about, Kip. I thought that, you know, maybe we would have a boring Valentine's Day. Maybe talk about, you know, our plans, what we're going to do. And a lot to get into, and we're just going to jump right into it. Todd Munkin has accepted the opportunity to become the new offensive coordinator of the NFL's Baltimore Ravens. As a result, Georgia has wasted little time in finding his successor. They're going right there within the program. They are promoting Mike Bobo as the new offensive coordinator, his second cent as Bulldogs offensive coordinator. Let's just go from the jump, Kip, and I'll start with you. Uh, what's your immediate reaction to both pieces of news, that Todd Munkin is returning to the NFL and that Mike Bobo is going to be the one replacing him in Athens? Well, uh, Todd Monken was in the mix for several jobs, at least mentioned, you know, had some interviews initially, you know, a lot of talk about the Buccaneers, you know, where he had already, you know, been a coordinator uh, with them before. Didn't really get the, you know, the feeling that that was going to be incredibly intriguing for him. I knew, I mean, from the moment he got to Georgia, he still kind of had nine NFL. Now, I mean, that's where his passion lies. And you kind of knew if the right opportunity came available, you know, he was going to take it. And I'm not just talking about this offseason. It's been multiple offseasons where, uh, you know, Todd Monken's kind of, you know, checked the, the, the sea. You know, are there any jobs available that, you know, would make sense for me? And in the end, I mean, that Baltimore Ravens job, uh, it, it, I mean, it checked all the boxes for him. I, it was one where we knew if I got serious, it, it was probably going to be, you know, just a matter of time before the, the, they make that call and, he, and a quick decision from him. And, and it, it makes sense whether, you know, he's coaching Tyler Huntley or if he's coaching Lamar Jackson. And, you know, that organization under Harbaugh is one where you know there's some security there, which 
the last time. I mean, Todd Monken didn't really get a, a chance, whether it's the Bucks or, you know, the Cleveland Browns. He did, he did not get, the, you know, a fair opportunity to show he could be an NFL play caller and a successful one. And, and now he's going to have that opportunity. And so, and you look at, you know, Mark Andrews with them, uh, I think the tight end position with the Ravens uh, probably stock up for them. I'm sure they're excited. And so with that news, not really surprising at all. And I mean, we, we've said on this pod, uh, we were not going to be surprised if this is a very quick offensive coordinator search. And we knew there was an in-house option that, that a Kirby smart placed a lot of value in. And in the end uh, it was about as short of a coordinator search as I've ever seen. Yeah, I had a hot board written just in case, because you really never know how long this thing's going to play out. And it became very <laughs> obvious immediately that uh, by the time I would have even tried to post it, that thing was going to be official that Mike was getting the job. I was going to say on, on the tight ends with the Ravens, already texting some people in a dynasty fantasy league. I'm trying to get a hold of Isaiah Likely. I, I'm, I'm wanting to add him to my roster. Uh, prolific pass catcher there. I think his numbers, yeah, his numbers are going to be juiced there. It's, uh, yeah, it's good news for them. I'm interested to see how it goes. Obviously, every Georgia fan is now going to be kind of following the the Ravens a little bit more coming off right now, you know, the most successful run in program history. And, you know, the, the second most prolific offense Georgia's ever had, it just so happened that Kirby Smart had available the offensive coordinator of, the most prolific jo- offense Georgia's ever had. So the rare chance where you can go from a uh, you know a forty-one point uh, scoring offense to uh, another offensive coordinator who scored over forty-one points a game for Georgia. So again, uh, not going to sit here and say it was just a clear upgrade, but uh, it's pretty clear that there was a very very talented uh, play caller already on staff who had worked under Monk in the last couple of years, and again called some plays that were pretty successful for Georgia in this national championship season as well. Yeah, let's talk and really go in-depth on Mike Bobo. A lot of fans already obviously know about him. He was on staff for something like 50 – let's see, I guess that would have been 14 seasons. He was offensive coordinator for eight of those seasons, if I'm recalling correctly. Uh, you know, a lot of mixed emotions, and, uh, you know, a, a, he took a lot of criticism while he was the offensive coordinator at Georgia the first go-around despite the success you were talking about. And, you know, I've gotten texts from friends. Obviously, uh, you know, a lot of people I know and and family are big Georgia fans, and they've been asking me, well, what do you think? I think it can work. I I don't think there's any reason to sit here if you're a Georgia fan and just totally panic. And the thing that I am going back to is when you've seen – Georgia miss on recruits or a, a recruit flip, something that I see a lot from our message board, is people in the junkyard saying, look, I trust Kirby. You know, I, I think it'll be okay. Don't worry about it. That would be the mindset I would tell fans to have. You know, Kirby Smart loves the University of Georgia. He's not going to put his team, you know, he loves the University of Georgia and he loves winning. He's not going to put the team in a situation where, look, I don't feel like this is the right guy, but he's my friend. We used to be teammates, so I'm going to give him this job. He, he's confident in Mike. And, you know, I I think that you have to go into this saying, look, they've had success. Mike's been within the system. I think that you can't really lose sight of what an advantage it is that terminology is going to say the same, um, that what they've been doing. You know, he had a year working with Todd, and, you know, I don't think it's going to be identical, um, but I think that it is going to help that he's kind of got that background. And 
I think that it's going to just come down to whatever this looks like, Mike maximizing what is on this roster. And he is inheriting a very, very good roster. And as people have been quick to point out, and I think it's a good point, uh, he's got a little bit better defense on the other side helping him out compared to some of the defenses he had as Georgia's offensive coordinator. You know, they, they did put up a lot of points, had some really productive quarterbacks. But when you get into situations where you really can't afford – to have three and outs when you really can't afford to settle for field goals instead of touchdowns, the margin for error is just so, so small. Um, so if I am a fan, again, I, I totally understand why people would be upset, would be worried, but I think it can work. And again, I, I think if Kirby Smart had any doubts about Mike's ability, he wouldn't have made this hire and he could have left Mike as an analyst. Uh, maybe they hire someone else and, and just promote Mike to quarterbacks coach. You know, if they didn't really think, that what Mike was bringing to the table would work. Uh, I think they've got full confidence in him, and that's why we sit where we do today. Yeah, I mean, you you go back to that, again, that the offense I was referencing, that 2014 season where Georgia scored, I believe, 41.3 points a game. Uh, they allowed over 30 points. Their opponents scored over 30 points, I believe, uh, was it five, six times they, the opponent scored uh, over 30 points against Georgia that season while he's, you know, his offense is putting up prolific numbers. Uh, that's just not something that Kirby Smart's going to allow to happen in his regime. And so he also, you look back on that season and remember that uh, Georgia was, you know, rocking Hudson Mason at quarterback. Um, I think you, you look at, uh, just the the fact that Todd Gurley uh, suspended, torn ACL. I mean, he was considered. I mean, he was a Heisman candidate going into that, and, and then gets injured. Uh, luckily for them, that you know they had a couple of pretty talented freshmen on the roster as well, and Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. But still, at the same time, uh, that you know, for Georgia's most prolific offense to be, uh, still again. Under Hudson Mason, the fact that the all-time leading passer in the SEC is still Aaron Murray, you know, under under Mike Bobo, uh, he had you know some big-time playmakers in his offense that that he utilized. And then at the same time, we're also talking about basically a, you know a decade ago. And if you're thinking that Mike Bobo hasn't been paying attention to the college football and that he didn't watch. You know, in practice, Todd Monken's concepts. And at the same time, like I said, he called plays that Georgia scored touchdowns on this national championship season. And so I'm pretty sure Kirby Smart has been in the room, has been in the film room, and knows that Mike Bobo is going to run an offense that's going to allow Kirby Smart to continue to compete for, for championships. And I think that Mike Bobo has learned a lot. Todd Monken did not come into Georgia highly celebrated he came in after it not working out in the nfl you know he came in after coaching at southern miss uh and then uh, oklahoma state you know he didn't come in with like the biggest pedigree as an elite play caller he came in as a good play caller and found success at georgia and so i think if i mean obviously mike bobo is in a situation where he's going to be able to uh, run the offense as well as he ever had. He's going to have the most talent he's ever had, and he's going to have a defense that is not going to struggle on third downs to get off the field and put him in precarious situations on a on a weekly basis. So I, I think that you know the 
all the all the things are there for for Mike Boba to be very successful. And then there's also the fact that he's a more talented recruiter. Todd Monken was not someone who was out, you know, on the road a lot. Uh, Mike Bobo is going to be able to, I mean, recruit the quarterback position and just in general uh, better than Georgia's really had at offensive coordinator before. And, and you just look ahead to that 2024 class and the number one overall prospect, uh, Dylan Raiola, the fact that Mike Bobo coached uh, his, you know, his, his father's old teammate and Matthew Stafford. I, I think that, you know, that connection will help Georgia continue to recruit the quarterback position pretty well. I think, you know, that gives them a, a pretty strong chance. And I think that family kind of knew that Mike Boba had a pretty good chance of being Georgia's offensive coordinator, which is why Georgia had some momentum in his recruitment uh, right early in this cycle. So you bring in another elite quarterback like that. And I think Mike Bobo might be set up for success, you know, for, for many years to come at Georgia. And I think this is a place for him to coach for many years. I don't think it's going to be an annual, will Mike Bobo leave? And that's been, you know, kind of that offseason storyline for Todd Monk in the last couple of years. Will he leave? Now he has left and you have someone who wants to be here, obviously, and has a chance to really, really put up some big numbers for Georgia's offense. Consider that, too, when you think about Kirby, when you think about Mike Bobo, when you think about Will Muschamp, I mean, you could see all three of those guys most certainly being lifers. And that's not necessarily a reason you make a move like that. I mean, you want to get the best person. But I do think that that is um, sort of a nice add, you know, a nice plus one when it comes to this hire. I want to make sure and read a, a quote from DJ Shockley, who tweeted about this hire. Uh, DJ played uh, for Mike Bobo. Uh, I think at that time, Mike was probably just the quarterback's coach. Uh, I think by the time DJ left, he was still QB's coach. Smart, creative, demanding, and one of the best coaches I've ever played for. This offense will continue to put up numbers, and many of the touchdowns you saw this year were drawn up by Mike Bobo. Congrats, Coach. Uh, that was something that Todd Munkin talked about as we were leading up to the playoffs. Uh, I believe he said one of the touchdowns that was thrown in that Peach Bowl was a play that Mike Bobo had suggested. So, you know, don't think that Mike was just sort of standing on the sideline twiddling his thumbs. He was, he was involved. And I want to make sure, too, and read this quote, I tweeted this out earlier, Todd talking about Mike. You know, think about the fact, I think Mike had 10 years of experience as an SEC offensive coordinator. This is not a guy that didn't have the reps, didn't have the experience. Um, but Todd Munkin talked about how selfless Mike Bobo was. Uh, the quote was, you talk about those roles that a Buster Faulkner plays or a Mike Bobo plays or those guys play. You talk about invaluable and you end up having to check your ego because they both have done it. Mike Bobo has drawn cards for us. He's drawn cards like a 22-year-old guy right out of college. Who does that? Who says, I'm going to embrace the role of doing red zone? I can't take everything the guys say as a suggestion, and yet the lack of ego and just wanting to do things has been unbelievable. I mean, that, I think that speaks uh, volumes about Mike. I don't think, you know, based on everything we've heard, I think that he wasn't a guy that stepped in as an analyst and said, look, you guys should do it this way. Look, I've done this. I mean, it seems like he was a guy that came in and said, look, what do you guys need me to do to help? And again, I think that speaks volumes about him. And, and I, you know, again, at the end of the day, I, I just tell fans not to freak out, not to worry. Um, I, I think it can work. There's no lack of talent. And as I said earlier, it's not like his offenses have to go out there saying, well, we know we're not getting stops on the other side. So we have to just, you know, you know, uh, 
go for the grand slam or we're walking out with a loss. I mean, uh, I think it can work. And I would tell anyone that's panicking to just calm down and, and see what happens because uh, Mike's gotten plenty of praise for the job he's done in the past. And I think that, uh, you know, having that year here in Athens as an analyst, having a chance to sort of see how Todd went about that job, I think it can only be positive for Mike as he steps into this role for a second time. Yeah, definitely. And like we said, uh, he's stepping in a role with a, you know, a roster that we think is maybe the best in college football yet again. And, and who, you know, who's going to benefit from this? I think, you know, you, you'd be kidding yourself. If you didn't think uh, Kendall Milton and Branson Robinson are chomping at the bit to, uh, to, you know, potentially be feature backs yeah, under Mike Bobo. And, you know, in that mailbag, I'm remembering people were asking about, you know, just who's going to replace a guy like Kenny McIntosh, you know, a pass catcher out of the backfield. But now it's who's going to be that 20, you know, 22 carry workhorse when when Mike Bobo is wanting to just pound away at, at opposing defenses in the second half. I'm not sure that Kirby's going to give him that much runway, but uh, I, I think that, you know, the carries, there might be an uptick there. Uh, bringing back four offensive linemen who, who started in the national championship, bringing back the nation's tight end for a, a second year in a row, and, and bringing back basically, you know, all your your top pass catchers as well with some, you know, the guys in the portal. You know, he's he's got all the weapons he needs to once again, you know, push for 40, 41 points a game in this offense. And so now this quarterback battle, you start thinking about the spring and, you know, uh, Carson Beck probably – uh, is that prototypical quarterback that that Mike Bobo would be able to take advantage of it and push the ball down the field as well? So, you know, I, I think you know all the ingredients are there uh, for Mike Bobo, and and everyone's question is, you know, has has he watched the offenses that have thrived over the last couple of years to adapt his own play calling? And like you said, the terminology is not really going to change. Uh, the philosophy is not going to change. It's all going to come down to, you know, picking the right play calls and, and, and key situations. That might be where the question marks come with Bobo. And I think, again, he's not the same coach he was a decade ago. He's, you know, he's been in the, he's been in the industry. He's learned from his own mistakes. And now he's got another opportunity. And he's got an opportunity with a coaching staff he's familiar with, the support he has. He's, he's not worrying about whether his head coach is on the hot seat. Uh, you're able to recruit knowing that your head coach isn't on the hot seat, which was also an issue uh, in his last tenure at Georgia's offensive coordinator. He had the fact that schools were recruiting against Georgia, and it really affected them on the line of scrimmage, both lines of scrimmage. And, you know, whether it was Willie Martinez or Todd Grantham, the, the defenses were not getting it done either. So it's a completely different situation, and it is going to be up to, to Mike to uh, – to learn from the previous mistakes, but I just don't think the situations are also going to be there for him to even make those mistakes again. So, you know, I, I think Kirby Smart knew this going in, and, and now, uh, yes, he's brought his friend in to be the offensive coordinator. He's got Will Muschamp on defense as well, uh, but these guys have seen exactly what it takes, uh, you know, to win a national championship at Georgia. So I don't think, you know, they're going to change that formula one bit heading into next season. 
want to be sure and point out too that I covered Mike during his only season at Auburn. Thought those offenses were solid. You know, twenty nine point six points per game. Uh, they go down to LSU and Auburn wins in Baton Rouge for the first time since nineteen ninety nine. I think that there was a disconnect between between him and Brian Harson. I think that there were some issues sort of there, and they start the season six and two, and it starts to fade away and. Uh, Mike or uh, Bo Nix gets hurt, and that was pretty much all she wrote. So I, I wouldn't put too much stock into that. I, I, you know, I don't think, you know, having covered Mike that season, I don't know. I don't see that as cause for concern. And uh, again, it's going to be interesting just to see what comes next. I mean, I remember that, you know, not this time a year ago, Kirby Smart brought in this retread that had, you know, kind of bounced around the SEC, had a lot of jobs and, People were already saying that, you know, Kirby's lazy. He won that national championship. He's just making that easy hire, bringing in an offensive line coach, Stacey Serrells, you know, who, again, was at Georgia before in the previous regime. So everyone kind of watched uh, the the failures and, and thought, well, that's it. You know, if, if you're not successful once, uh, you can never be successful. And, I mean, I, I, I watched that offensive line last year uh, the previous season, I thought Georgia, you know, got ripped from the Joe Moore Award, but definitely last season, that was the best offensive line in college football under Stacey Searles, and no one's bringing them up right now. And, and and so here with Mike Bobo, I think you probably should give Kirby Smart the benefit of the doubt here that maybe he knows what he has in Mike Bobo and that maybe the safe hire might not be a bad hire either because he's got a very talented offensive mind in Mike Bobo, a guy that, again, I, I thought had very creative play calling when he was at Georgia back then and, you know, working under Mark Richt and, and Mark Rick's offensive scheme, uh, you know, which did involve a fullback, all the fullback jokes and all, you know, the, the halfback dive jokes uh, and, you know, you can make those jokes. You can make the, the draw and third down jokes, but Mark Rick's not the head coach right now. It's not that kind of scheme. It's not that roster. It's not that mentality, and it's not that culture. And, and so you probably should give Kirby Smart the benefit of the doubt that he knows Bobo is probably going to thrive in this offense, and his his good buddy is probably going to be in the mix for the, the Broyles Award and next season as Georgia continues to compete for national championships. I want to be sure and mention that Mike was mentioned for that Mississippi State offensive coordinator job this offseason. It's not like teams have not considered him or looked at him for other opportunities. And uh, I would just say before we take a break, um, just keep an eye out. We'll have more stories. I'm looking forward to reaching out to some folks and, and trying to do some more stories about Mike Bobo's promotion and, and sort of what we can expect to see going into 2023. But we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about some two uh, some new teams coming into the SEC in 2024 and we got to talk Georgia basketball kid selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is here to help you grow whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system wherever and whatever you're selling Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody. Well, some news from last week that we have yet to talk about on the podcast was some big news for the SEC. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma were able to get out of the Big 12, originally it was expected to be uh, going into the 2025 season. We now know that the Sooners and Longhorns will join the SEC starting in 2024. It's going to be p- part of a, a year with a lot of change uh, because that will also be the debut of the 12-team college football playoff. Uh, Kip, what do you think about Texas and Oklahoma coming in, um, th- them joining the SEC in 2024? And uh, what changes we could see within the conference because these two new teams are coming in? That new uh, TV, de- TV deal is looking pretty sweet right now for the conference. And, yeah, we get the Red River rivalry. I think uh, that's going to be a pretty sweet television lineup right there. The fans, Georgia fans before, I mean, you're looking at that, uh, that home schedule and, and seeing, you know, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Kentucky, uh, and thinking, you know, which game am I going to get up for? And now I I think you start looking at whether it's an eight or nine game schedule, you're going to have more marquee games. You're going to have a more diverse schedule. You know, you're going to have Oklahoma, Texas, LSU, Alabama, at least twice every four years. And so uh, I, I think, you know, that's kind of an exciting part, just thinking about the new schedule and, what is this the last year Georgia has a chance to win the SEC East? Uh, that's the other reaction is, is this it? And, and so maybe we're saying uh, farewell to uh, one tradition, but again, uh, the new way could be even better. It could be looking back and saying, man, why didn't we do this before? And, and so I, I'm excited to see how it unfolds. I guess we'll probably find out during the SEC meetings, whether it's the spring or over the summer. I, I think that's when Greg Sakey wants to kind of get it done. And, uh, yeah, this – I mean, the best conference in college football just got even, you know, even better. And so uh, it should be maybe Georgia finally gets that that game, uh, you know, at Texas A&M in the next, uh, you know, five, seven years. Well, we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm sure it'll be whatever the last possible year is for Georgia to to go play them. That's when they'll play. But uh, 
here we are. I, I, I think if if Auburn, Florida, South Carolina, if those are Georgia's permanent opponents, uh, you, you can't really be too mad at that. I think that's that that's pretty solid setup for Georgia fans, especially ones who want to see big games uh, every year in Athens. Yeah, to me, those are the three that make the most sense. I think Auburn and Florida are locks. I don't think you could talk your way out of that. And the question is probably that third one. I think it will be South Carolina because Georgia is clearly the Gamecocks' biggest SEC rival. You know, for me personally, I grew up in North Georgia. I'm privy to Tennessee, Georgia, just because I got a lot of family in Tennessee. And I know, you know, the fun thing that we've talked about a bunch when it comes to Georgia it's like where you're from in the state kind of dictates which rivalries mean the most. You know, South Florida, uh, you know, Georgia and Florida is a big rivalry. West Georgia, you know, a lot of folks around Carrollton, uh, you know, they are big uh, on the Georgia-Auburn rivalry. Uh, but I think it'll be South Carolina as that third team uh, because of uh, the proximity. And, and honestly, there, there's been some really good games between these two over the years. And, you know, I'm sure there will be people – that are upset if they move away from divisions, if we don't have the East and West anymore. Um, but I, I just always think about the fact that, you know, the the divisions have only been around, you know, I think 92 was the first year. It's not like this, this was what was a, you know, huge part of the start of the sport. It really hasn't been around that long. And, you know, I think sometimes the divisions have gotten in the way. You know, I think about uh, in 02 when Georgia played Arkansas, Arkansas really wasn't that good that year, but Alabama was on probation. You know, maybe Georgia would have been better playing somebody like Florida in the SEC title game. I mean, there's been years where one of the divisions was down, and it was basically, well, whoever wins that other division is just going to walk in Atlanta. Um, you know, I, I think we'll still see uh, really competitive games and probably more competitive conference title games because we don't have to worry about the divisions. Uh, I think they're going to go with the three-six. Uh, scheduling structure, it, it makes no sense to me not to expand to nine conference games when you have this many teams. Uh, but this is going to be a fun offseason and the fact that we're going to see a lot of moving parts. We're going to see a lot of things that are changing. And, you know, spring meetings will be busy. Um, SEC media days, there's probably going to be news that comes out of that. They like to usually drop that near the end of the week when we're all brain dead after being there. All <laughs> uh, but I think it's going to be a really fun time, and I think it's a great time to be covering the sport because so much is changing. And, uh, you know, we can look back on it years from now and say, yeah, you know, I was covering the sport as it changed into, you know, what it may stand as 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Definitely. I, I don't think there's – really a better time to be covering sec sports in general uh you know and not just football you added in a couple quality basketball teams as well this is only going to strengthen where this conference stands uh, uh and it's right now we're seeing kind of a you know resurgence in, in sec basketball and you add in a couple really quality teams passionate fan bases as well i mean that's kind of what you want uh, I think, you know, before the, the previous editions, you know, you add in uh, Texas A&M, you add in Missouri, you know, that was really exciting back then. And Missouri got off to a quick start, you know, and, and as far as football and basketball when they came in, but you haven't really, they've kind of struggled since then. And these two fan bases, whether they're having a good season or a bad season, we're going to hear from them plenty. You know, they are not going to – their voices will definitely be heard regardless of whether they're playing well or not. And I think now, 
I mean, uh, the rest of the conference will we'll get to either, uh, you know, uh, yell at them or, or, or laugh at them and whether they're struggling or not. So I just think that's it's just really good for the conference uh, bringing in, you know, new rivalries, new traditions. Uh, I, I think that that's something you, you got to look forward. I don't think you really need to dwell in the past. I mean, before there were times when there there wasn't an SC championship game and that was really debated. Should the conference have a, a conference championship? And I'm sure that debate will come up in the future, you know, with playoff expansion. Uh, but, you know, but some incredible games we've seen in that setting. And now we have new settings to see, you know, new incredible matchups and, and, and maybe some new hated rivalries will be forged with these two new teams. So I'm here to see how it all transpires. And I, I feel lucky and, and privileged to be able to kind of cover it for you guys. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned really good SEC basketball, Kip. We got to talk about on Saturday, Georgia pulled a huge upset, beats Kentucky 75-68 to in Segment Coliseum. It was a game that maybe by the end of the season could be what keeps Kentucky from dancing and, and participating in the NCAA tournament. Very, very impressed with the way Georgia played that game. They came out aggressive diving after loose balls, fighting for rebounds. I thought you saw a renewed energy in a team that had kind of lost its way, had lost six of its previous seven games, really struggled, just didn't seem like it could get anything going, especially on the defensive end where that was kind of the calling card all season. I'm very impressed. You know, a lot of people are excited to see what winds up happening. You know, I think that that win kind of keeps you at least in conversation about the NIT. You have to have a lot of things go your way the end of the season. Um, But I was very impressed. I thought that, you know, I wrote about this right after the fact. I think that's Georgia's best win under Mike White, more because of the circumstances. This was a team, again, had been struggling, just lost to an Ole Miss team that before that game only had one SEC win this season. They really needed a spark, and they got it against a really good team. As I pointed out, Auburn is the best team Georgia has beaten this season, but that Kentucky win was huge just as far as the circumstances, when it came, and uh, and it's, it's a big boost as they try to continue through the month of February and try to end the regular season on a high note. Yeah, and also you saw them at Kentucky earlier in the year You know, build that, I think, 11-point lead, 12-point lead, and they, they went into halftime up eight, and they just weren't able – you know, to keep it together, Kentucky came out and just exploded and, and Georgia kind of, uh, you know, they lost their confidence. And you saw that early in the second half, kind of the, the it was almost the exact same blueprint. You know, here we go again. But it didn't happen this time. And when they needed people to step when Braylon Bridges, you know, had his best game of the year. Uh, uh, against Ole Miss of 26, you're like, OK, you know, he's starting to put it together. And against Kentucky, I mean, you're going to talk about clutch. They they needed him late, and, and he came up with what eight points down the end, and, and had uh, he was five of six. Those are those were very important baskets for for Georgia, and also, I mean, just the fact that they were battling Oscar Shibway. Uh, uh, they they limited him, you know. He especially in the first half. What do you have, like six points in the first half? Uh, that was huge. And then getting Terry Roberts back, uh, you know, getting him in there back on the floor, that was huge for Georgia as well. And it gives him confidence toward the end of this. You know, you thought, I mean, we talked about in the last pod, you thought Georgia might, you know, might have a, a quiet stretch. This might be a rough go for him. And, I mean, it's still a very, very tough string of games. 
but you have a couple opponents left on the schedule that you look at and you're actually thinking, you know, they got a chance to win these games. And obviously that first one, uh, as we record this podcast on Valentine's Day tonight against LSU, that's one of those two games where they, they have a chance. And you're coming off a win against Kentucky, you have some momentum there. And, and the fact that that win over Kentucky, you could argue it's not their most impressive win of the year because they beat, you know, a more talented Auburn team. Uh, that's two huge wins to build off over uh, the build on overall for Mike White. But now they have something to play for. They have a chance to play some postseason basketball. They have to win a couple games. They got to beat LSU. You know, again, you got to beat South Carolina, and you might have to, you know, pull off a big win against one of the other four opponents they have left in the season. But that that's still, I mean, that is a path to postseason basketball that Georgia has in front of them having something to play for in the last six games of the regular season is not something anyone predicted for Georgia this year. And again, uh, they have already matched Jordan's preseason prediction right now. So they got a chance to, to outperform even the dogs 24 seven, uh, you know, the, the bar that we set for Mike white, he's got a chance to blow right by it in year one. So if you're a Georgia basketball fan, you have to be real excited about uh, the future uh, with this program right now. Yeah, I thought I might have been being generous when I said around 15 wins, and and they look like they've got a great chance to uh, pass that. And uh, mention that LSU game that, as you said, as we're recording, that is tonight. That's an LSU team that has not won in the calendar year 2023, so you need to take advantage of that. You play at Alabama on Saturday, maybe the best team in the country, so that's going to be a real challenge. And when we talk about the postseason, the two games that I think are going to be huge if Georgia is going to make one of these postseason tournaments – Two home games, Missouri, February 25th, Florida, February 28th. I think you need at least one of those. And I think it's possible, but they got to show up and got to be ready to play. All right, everybody, we are going to wrap up this episode. Again, kind of a an interesting breaking news episode, but want to say happy Valentine's Day to everybody who is listening. I watch this live and listening to this after the fact. Appreciate Kip for hopping on and, and giving us great insight as we're kind of piecing together the news together you know it's kind of one of those things as it plays out we're learning more and more uh, but i would encourage everybody to keep an eye on dogs 247 plan on having more stories out of uh the mike bobo new the mike bobo news what could be coming and what we can expect um and just uh, more insight on georgia football georgia football recruiting and georgia men's basketball going forward so we'll wrap it up there for kip adams i'm jordan hill appreciate everybody who watched and listened and until next time take care Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.